Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, I have Allie Isaacs with me from Landmark uh, Preservation uh, Consulting. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, so tell me about your background. So I actually got started in preservation through college, uh, the way that most people typically do. Um, I went to SCAD in Savannah, Georgia, which is Savannah College of Art and Design for people who don't know. Um, I actually started doing interior design. That's what I came down here to do. And I took an intro to preservation class as an elective and fell in love with it, um, as most people do, right? And so through that journey of deciding I was going to do preservation as a minor, I ended up actually switching um, to preservation being my major and interior design being my minor. And that's how I graduated. So okay. very good. And yeah. um, when I that this is just an, an academic question, um, when you are minoring in, his, in historic preservation or majoring in historic preservation and minoring in interior design, is it then historic interiors or is it just interior design in general? Just interior design in general. Okay. Yeah. And then I also got my minor in architectural history as well. So. Yeah. I was actually talking to somebody yesterday, um, unrelated to like podcasting (laughs) and they were telling me that there's a a local, um, professor that might have students that like interns. And she was saying he is an architectural, um, architectural and art history or something but I thought those go really well together like it, it made sense to me <laughs> you do yeah you'd be surprised actually how many people combine both of those disciplines yeah. um either one way or the other you know doing a master's or an undergrad or you know major minor that kind of thing yeah. so that, that makes sense to me so so what what when you took that introduction to to preservation class what 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 why did you choose preservation or why did preservation choose you <laughs> Um, that's a good question. I just, I feel like I fell in love with the research part of it and the history aspect of things. Um, I like that there was this multi-layered history with every building that we, that we researched that, or that we got to choose to to do our projects on. Um, because obviously being in Savannah, it's like the perfect place to do preservation. Um, and so I, I started doing that and realizing that I was really loving and putting more effort into those classes versus my interior studios. Um, And so I feel like it was just an easy shift for me um, just to switch from one to the other. 
Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I do enjoy the, I don't get to do it often, but when I get to like go into the research libraries and like, you have to give them the information and they pull it for you. It's it yes. kind of exciting. <laughs> exactly. Just trying to leave no stone unturned. And then, you know, you go down the rabbit hole of finding all this information and connecting dots and everything. It's always a mystery to, to figure out. So. Yes, yes, yes. So, so tell me about uh, Landmark Preservation Consulting. Okay. So Landmark Preservation Consulting is actually in its infancy. Uh, We literally just separated the consulting arm of the business in February of this year. Um, So initially uh, I worked for a company, our sister company is what I want to call it, uh, Landmark Preservation. And that's founded by John Ecker and Greg Jacobs. And they have been in the business for over 30 years. um, And doing the hands-on restoration, mm-hmm. preservation work, um, conservative, you know, conservative, right. conservating, uh, buildings all over the country, all over the Southeast primarily. Um, and so I have known them since I was in college. Um, and so I came back to Savannah and worked at an architectural firm and then decided to go, um, make a transition and work with them. Um, and I really grew, they had a consulting arm of their business already, but it was very much smaller. They did conditions assessments primarily, which is primarily what we still do today. Um, and we decided to, to grow it and see how much we could really um, take on, you know, be a full service company that does both the consulting side and the conservation side. And so we decided um, after a year of me, you know, building that arm of the business that we would officially separate. So we refer to them both as as sister companies, like I said. So uh, Landmark Preservation Consulting is founded by myself and Greg Jacobs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, you talked a little bit about the geographic areas. What what types of clients do you usually work with? So typically we work with all different types of clients. We work with private homeowners or private owners, and then all the way up to um, museum, museum quality clients. Um, so it really just depends on where, okay. uh, we do work all over the Southeast. So as far up as usually about Virginia, um, and then all over Georgia as well. So, um, we actually technically have a satellite office in Atlanta. Um, so we do a lot of things in Atlanta as well. And what, I know you said about the con- conditions assessments that you do, what, what other um, services do you offer? So we do very, uh, I'll kind of retrace my steps. We do very thorough conditions assessments. Um, So our conditions assessments provide obviously a description and deficiencies, but they also go into the exact means and methods of how to repair um, or restore the, the material that is in question. So we also make recommendations for modern amenities as well. And so we like break a, this like down. A, like a change um, when you say modern amenities, like like a change, like maybe like ADA or something like that. Is that yeah, like mean? ADA okay. or MEP, HVAC, those kinds of things, um, just so that they're done in the most sensitive way possible. Right. Um, because a lot of people don't really think about that. You right. know? Um, so that's, we do that. We also provide prioritization schedules. So typically a lot more often than not, 
people can't afford to do the entire thing all at right. once, right? Mm-hmm. So we break things down into bite-sized chunks um, to, and we organize those of, okay, you need to fix this first in a, in a chronological order, right? Because right. um, there's no sense in fixing your floor if the roof is leaking, right. um, that kind of thing. And then we also provide very in-depth budgets. Um, that's where Greg comes in um, because of his hands-on experience that he's had for over 20 years. He can provide very decently accurate budgets um, for people in order to fundraise, apply for grants, that kind of thing. Um, So those are what our conditions assessments include. And sometimes they include history as well. It just depends on what the client wants. Right. Um, So in addition to that, we also do national register nominations. Um, We do preservation tax credit projects, state and federal. Um, And of course the state tax freeze here in Georgia. We also do just generic, like, you know, just research, like if somebody wants to do research on their property. Um, We also do, we've partnered with uh, the Atlanta Preservation Center in Atlanta um, to do landmark designation reports um, to include, to be included on their landmark list. uh, Because the way Atlanta does things is is different than Savannah as far as um, protections. So we do those um, and we actually just got the first structure nominated to that list um, last year. The second one is currently under review. And then we have, we're in talks about putting together the first landscape designation. So we're making strides in Atlanta as well. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When you said about in the condition report, you know, like prioritization, it's that's so important because I think people want to go in and do the fun stuff first. And then they don't think about, you know, that you need to have a, you know, you have to have a, a, a tight envelope. <laughs> right. Right. Because I, we you have to have a strong foundation and envelope. Yeah. We were we doing do a presentation stuff. once and, you know, I was talking about, you know, you know, we got to the interior finishes. I said, this is the fun part. And, you know, you don't want to, you know, fix your plaster if your roof's leaking. And there was a woman in the front row. I'm not making this up. She literally said, that's why our plaster keeps failing. And I'm oh, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, people need to know that. <laughs> right. And I mean, it's just, it seems like common sense to us. Right. Yeah. But to people that don't do this every day, they, you right. know, they they're, need that kind of education. They need the that knowledge. They're not, they're not yeah. looking for the, the cause of why the plaster is not, not working. <laughs> exactly. So, so, well, I think that's, it sounds very exciting. Um, of the, the work that you, that you do and, and, yes. and the, the things that you, that you help people with. Um, so tell me about some of the projects that you've been involved with, maybe the more exciting ones or, or all of them, like your babies. <laughs> <laughs> So there's actually quite a few that are, that have just been really incredible. Um, so before I was even technically a full-time employee of the headland mark preservation, we started a master plan for the, um, for Meadow Garden in Augusta, Georgia. And if you aren't aware, that's the house of, um, the Declaration of Independent Signer, George Walton. Okay. And that house has had, and then it's been owned, um, by DAR for since the very early 1900s. Um, so it very early went into conservative conservatorship. Right. Um, and which is interesting because that had its own history as well, where they made modifications to this building 
in the name of making things look good, um, not necessarily representing the history absolutely correctly. Um, But so we started with them um, and we created this whole master plan, which included like a very in-depth history of the house, the property, and all the iterations that it has gone through. And we've discovered so much through investigative removals. Um, Because if you look at the property now, you can very tell that there's like the smaller portion was the original house. There was a large addition that was made by his son. Um, And through those, through those investigative removals, we discovered that the main portion of the house was actually once facing in the opposite direction and had been moved. Yeah. Um, And so that was very exciting. Um, And through that process, you know, we completed this whole master plan and we have actually started to do addendums to that master plan with things that we accomplished restoration, like hands-on restoration wise. Um, And then also things that we discover like during those processes um, of like, if there was a dormer there or not, you know, different things, you know, the original configuration of the staircase on that side, um, just very cool things that you see once you start taking off the layers. Um, and so that's been very, very cool. Um, and the hands-on side of the company has done several, several projects, um, that are still ongoing to actually restore the property. Um, so it's been very, very rewarding. Um, it's taken years, you know, like we've been in this process for years, but it's been very cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it those, those projects where you, you phase it and you keep working on it yes. and you keep going back year after year. Those, I, I find those to be very rewarding to you and you really build relationships with the, with the people and with the property. <laughs> right. And the, uh, the, the way that DIR works is that they have a new, I believe, um, the term is president. I'm not sure if that's the correct term, but they have a new president come every, I think two years. So it's just the fact that the next person keeps forwarding the mission, right? right. So they yeah. haven't lost that momentum at all. Um, and it's been very, like I said, very rewarding. Yeah. So that yeah. sounds exciting. Um, so I, um, the, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but maybe you have some other things to elaborate on. Um, what what are common mistakes that you see when people are planning a preservation project? So like we already said, just um, putting the cart before the horse, you could yeah. say, as far as wanting to do the pretty stuff versus the stuff that's actually needed. Um, that's, that's part of it. And I'll also say that education is a big part of what we do. Um, you have to educate people more often than not about how to properly care and maintain their historic properties. Um, Because one of the things that Greg says more often than not is that as soon as you're done restoring this building, you have to put it into a maintenance cycle. Um, You can't just wait until problems start appearing. You have to um, do evaluations, you know, at least once a year to make sure that everything is, is operating and still functioning the way that it should and that there's no problems arising. Um, because it, sometimes it happens. Um, and then, the, of course, that keeps the ongoing maintenance cycle stays um, stays up to date. And then you don't have as many problems later on um, and, to where you have to do like a full scale restoration yet again. And, so. and it keeps expenses lower, too, exactly. because you're, you're, you're doing smaller things to, to just to maintain the baseline. Exactly. And that's also something that we do sometimes. Um, it depends on the depends on the client, but sometimes they'll ask for like an ongoing maintenance, like operations budget. Um, and of course these are like 
assumptions that we make, but we, we try to help them plan more long-term um, as well. So. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I, I fully, you know, agree with that philosophy of education and then, you know, maintenance because maintenance is, is how you get people to really, um, you know, preserve their properties. Otherwise, you know, it's too expensive and there's all, you know, all, all kinds of things happen. Um, I just saw a uh, poster that uh, I think it was a, a historical society in New England um, created, but it was the same house. And every few years they took a picture of it and the historical features that got taken away were then went by the end, there's no historic fabric left. And I think that's so important too, because people don't realize the little tiny changes that you make then impact it you know, further down if everybody makes a little change. Right, exactly. Um, that actually reminds me, um, I'm not sure if you follow our Restoration Nation. She just did this phenomenal, um, I guess you could say talk yesterday okay, on I her Instagram stories regarding stewardship versus ownership. Oh, yeah. And when you buy a historic property, you're the steward. Like, yes, you're technically the owner, but you're also the steward because in in best case scenario, the changes that you make in the, um, the maintenance that you have of that building are going to outlive you. Right. Um, and so it's like, don't do anything to your property. That's going to dramatically change its historic value and integrity, um, because it's going to be there past you. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was I, a I very cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Thank you for yeah. hearing that. It, it was very good. <laughs> it stuck with me, obviously. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, I do, I talk, I talk a lot about stewardship because, you know, especially when we're talking about like when you get into conversations about um, in like historic districts where people are talking about um, property owners rights. I'm like, well, yes, but when you buy an older building, you also have responsibilities. Like it's not just any house that you can just tear down or do whatever you want with it. Right. So if you want to go do that, go buy a new house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you want to completely change it, just go buy a track house. Right. Just, yeah. You know. So what um what trends or challenges do you do you see in preservation? Um, I think education is always going to be a challenge. Um, just because that's the nature of of what we do. Um, and I think that a semi new challenge that we have at least here in Savannah is the maintenance, well, I don't know if maintenance is the correct word, but the preservation of resources that are just now becoming of age. Mm, um, so right. primarily like mid-century modern resources. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's going to be a, that's going to be a challenge um, because people well, don't view those things as being historic, even though right. now they are. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's always going to be a problem. Um, the representation of African-American resources as well and the preservation of those things, um, you know, whether it be neighborhoods or churches or um, cemeteries, I mean, anything, um, I feel like always has to fight for a spot and that's right. not the way that it should be. Yeah. Um, so I feel like just the more, again, education and outreach that we can do to preserve those things that have not been seen as being worthy of being, you know, preserved in right. the past is extremely important. Yeah, I um, agree with you. Yes. Yeah. Especially yeah, cemeteries. Cemeteries are always, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of forgotten about. Yeah. Um, depending on where you are. And yeah, there's a. Um, I, I had two thoughts when you were talking. Um, that there's a book, the slavery, slavery in the north. Um, 
and I really, it, he, he's a political uh, science, science professor, but he, he really wrote a preservation book. He just didn't realize it. Um, he uh, it's talking about collective memory and how places help people retain the memories of, of things after people die or you know people move away. And that slavery was pretty much erased in the North, even though it existed. And, um, and now that people are starting to realize that those places are still here, they can be recognized. But one of the very first case studies that he highlights in his book is they were going to build a new GSA building in Manhattan. Mm. And when they started excavating, they uncovered an African burial ground. I remember that. Yeah. And yeah. now, you know, that, all, you know, and it was talked about all, and all through the book were all different burial grounds. So when you said cemeteries, it made me think of that because it, it's, it, it's sometimes that's the only place that's left to document that these people yeah. were here. Well, and that actually reminds me of a project that I did. Um, technically, I did it when I was at my previous job, but it was one of the, I still count it today as one of the best projects that I ever did um, because it was in Dillon, South Carolina. Um, it was a little, it was a little house um, that was owned by a general, a Confederate general. And, you know, this family reached out to me. Um, it was still in the family, had been always stayed in the family since the original land grant. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, the owner, she handed me this Tupperware, Rubbermaid Tupperware, you know, bin full of historic documents that had never been like archived properly or gone through to know what all they had. Um, and so their mother had like restored the property in I think like the eighties and she had added this kitchen, um, which actually ended up being like a, uh, a double pen building onto the oh, back of this yeah. kitchen. Right. And so she had me come down and she wanted me to go through all these documents and figure out what everything was. Um, and just decipher it because she couldn't, she couldn't really read, you know, oh, the script. Yeah. And so she told me when I first started, she said, you know, we have always had the assumption, um, cause it was on a large, large plot of land, um, that there were slaves on this property. She said, but we have never found any documentation. Like there's no outbuildings left other than like the tobacco barn and the right. backbone and stuff. And so I said, okay, there were literally two pieces of paper in that bin that had slaves names on it uh, when the first original general died and it was his estate mm -hmm. that's where they were listed yeah and so we found that there was also a cemetery on the property um that was like the general and his wife and like descendants since right then um and we were up there looking at it one day because she was asking me questions um because of course there were sunken impressions in the ground but no headstones mm -hmm. and so she wanted you know my my opinion on some things and so i'm looking across the street while we're over there and intermixed this whole field of pine trees was this beautiful oak tree uh -huh. <laughs> and i said to her i said when was the, when were those pine trees planted over there? And apparently her mom had done that again, uh -huh. like in the sixties or the eighties or something. And I said to her, I said, you know, I said, I really feel like we need to clear that area of like the brush at least. And we need to do GPR ground penetrating radar right around that tree. I said, I just have like this gut instinct. And she was like, okay. And so we do it. And there were over 30 people over there. Oh my goodness. And yeah. And that was just in the one area that they yeah. had documented and we got new South 
I don't remember what office it was, but we got New South Associates to do the GPR and do that whole report. Yes. And I still remember to this day getting that copy of that report and just crying. Oh. <laughs> and just crying because I'm such an emotional person anyway. Yeah. But it was just like, those people are still there, you know, yeah. and just recognizing the fact that they were there and uncovering that and the yeah. stories that are probably connected to that. Yeah. Um, and now like the, the homeowners are like, try, you know, they're going to put a plaque up and just keep it kind of clean and just, you know, they're doing better for stewardship. Right. Um, but it was just the uncovering of that story, um, and just validating, you know, like telling the whole story. Cause a lot of places don't, don't tell the whole story. And I'm glad that the owners were open to that. I mean, absolutely. They wanted, they wanted to know, they said it was a very hard pill for them to swallow just because I mean, just because of the nature of it, right? right. Just knowing their ancestors um, owned people right. and, you right. know, you don't know how they were treated and that kind of thing, but it was, they were exceptional. Um, yeah, that, so. that's, that's very special. Yeah, that, that absolutely. Special. So yeah, you have that, to keep uncovering yeah. the stories and telling them. So. Yes, yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think that, I think that that's very, very important. Um so yeah, I, I think I, I do think that's very important. Is there anything else that you thought of that you wanted to to um, share that maybe I didn't think to ask you before we kind of do our wrap up questions? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, just I don't know. One of the other things that I am very involved with is I'm chair of the Historic District Board of Review in Savannah over the Landmark District, um, and I feel that in, I'm very active in Historic Savannah Foundation and just, I feel like you could not be active enough in your local preservation movements. I agree. Um, I agree. Like, I feel like that's one of those things that you just have to stick and stay um, even through, cause you know, obviously things dwindled when the pandemic happened, but um, just wanting to constantly, I don't want to say push boundaries, but just wanting to constantly make policies and things better um, for the future and trying to find the things that can be done better, um, for the long-term preservation, you know, um, yeah, I, I can't emphasize I that enough. <laughs> no, I agree. And that, that's something else that I tell people is to get involved in your local government because preservation is really done at a, lo- at a local municipal, municipal level. Right. Um, that's where the teeth are. That's, yeah. that's what I yeah. tell people. I'm like, yeah. that's where the teeth is. We have to make sure that yeah, and Lancaster County, where we are, it has over sixty different municipalities, and all of them have different, all of them have different ordinances. And so, like one, one even does, you know, some of them I know don't even have like demolition reviews, so like they don't even review anything. And so, like, I'm just like, you know, it drives me crazy. <laughs> yes, I can see that. But it's like you uncover those things. Uh, and the sooner that you do, it's, you know, you prevent things from happening in the future that fall right. through the cracks like yeah. that. Well, and so. I think that, I think that people just in general have an idea of these buildings are protected and they're not right. necessarily. Yeah. I, right. I do believe that people just in general, in general believe. Well, and a lot of, of common, again, on education, a common misconception is that people think that just because something's listed on the national register means that it can't be torn down. Right. Um, and that's obviously you and I both know that that's not the case. Um, so yeah, local, local level protection is where it's at. Yes. Yeah. Very much. So, obviously the national level recognition gives you access to tax credits and grants and the recognition of being, right. you know, notable Dragon enough rights. to be on that list, but 
but yeah, it's the local protection that provides it. So very good. So is there anything that you would like to promote to our listeners? Um, so I quite literally <laughs> made our Instagram page this morning okay, <laughs> because I just realized that we did not have one for the oh, consulting no. side on its own. Yeah. So I was like, I should probably do this. So if anybody wants to tune in and we're going to be posting a lot of stuff about who we are and what services we provide and projects that we're currently working on, because we've got so many, um, we're so blessed. Uh, to be working on both here in Savannah and then up towards Atlanta and in Atlanta. So um, if they want to follow along, that would be obviously. Oh, sure. Is it, is the Instagram, um, the, is it just landmark preservation consulting? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. And then and the website I- will be coming soon. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. And so how could, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you right now, how could they get a hold of you? Uh, you can send me an email. Okay. Uh, that's probably the best way. Um, okay. My email is Ellie, E-L-L-I-E, at landmarkpreservationllc.com. Okay, very good. And we'll make sure that that's also the Instagram and your email are also on our website where we, um, where we, we the, the episode is, is on the website. It's the way it's hosted is confusing, but it goes on our website, then it goes out into the world. So (laughs) that makes sense. It makes sense to me. So, okay. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciated it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.